You're listening to the Fortress Church Audio Podcast. We're a church all about loving God and loving people. Let's listen in to our lead pastor, Randy Garcia, from this past Sunday's message. So open up your Bibles and tune in. When speaking about the favor of God, I can't help but think about the origins and the beginning of Fortress Church. I believe that the favor of God has been with this church since day one. And I just, I love to talk about our, uh, the beginnings of Fortress Church. We started uh, in October the 2nd, 1994, almost 24 years ago. And uh, we met at Bronze Station Party House. Some of you were even, uh, may have even been there. And then week number two, we decided we needed another place. So we went to Jackson Middle School. And I got to tell you, when I was looking for a place for the church for us to meet, uh, we had the favor of God. Because I went to them and they said, well, it's going to cost you. Okay, we'll pay. I was, I was expecting like, okay, you can rent this place for like, uh, you know, uh, $500 a week. Or, you know, some of you know how expensive it is to rent uh, a facility where people get together and all that. Well, it's going to cost you about $45 a week. And I'm thinking, what? Yeah, $15 an hour. I'd need it for three hours. Okay. Oh, I said, okay, that's fine. And I walked away thinking, man, we have the favor of God, huh? You know, we have the favor of God. So we started meeting there for about nine months. And then we, uh, we actually, because in May, uh, the next year, they were shutting down for the summer. So I said, okay, we got to look for another place. The Lord opened up the doors for us to meet at Antonian High School. And we met there and, and for, for about two years. Uh, and we just had a great time. They gave us the key to the place. I mean, it was pretty cool. And uh, it, it was nice. And then we, we, we as a church, in the beginning portions of the church, we said, we need a facility. So we started looking for buildings, started looking for land. And one of the places we came to is right here at 7760 Prue Road. And this was 11 acres of property and it's all full of brush and, and, and uh, like it is in the very back. And we said, well, this is a, I guess this is a good location. Some people said, of course, this was 23 years ago. That's too far, Pastor. That's too far. Is anybody going to drive out there? And, and, and now it's like, yeah, it's right in the middle of a lot of things, right? You know, how many know we have the favor of God, okay? So we came here and we said, okay, uh, we'll, we'll give you a bid for uh, 15000 an acre. And for this property, if you know Prue Road, if you drive west towards Bandera, you go down a hill. If you go east towards Babcock, you go down. We're at the top of the hill, okay? We're like a city on a hill. And I said, I like that property. All we got to do is clean it up, get it ready. And, and there was another church that put in the bid for the same amount. I found this, this out later, 15000 an acre. By the way, acreage right here is now worth about sixty five dollars to $75,000 an acre. I mean, we have the favor of God. For some reason, those who sold it, they said, we'll give it to Fortress Church. Amen. So I said, okay, I think, I believe we have the favor of God. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. And that God opened up the door. Okay, we have the land. We had to clear the land. And some of you, how many remember spending some of your Saturdays right here in this property? Anybody remember that we would bring our our our, our chainsaws? We'd bring our uh, would clean up the land. There were some people who couldn't work, so they'd bring tacos. And there were some people like me who ate the tacos, and we did a great job. We loved, we cleared out this property, and we said we want to build a church here. 
We wanted to build a large facility here, but of course it was going to be close to a million dollars, our first phase of our building project. We were six months old. Who in the world? There's no bank that's going to lend us a, a million dollars to, to build a facility because after all, we only have six months of tra- track history. No way. In fact, they even told us. In fact, so they even laughed at us. You're asking us for a million dollars? You've only been together for six months? Okay, but then the Assemblies of God stepped in and said, okay, we'll do that for you. So praise God. We had the favor of God, so we started our building project. And there's a lot of churches that start up here and there. And many churches take, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years to have their own facility. And God gave us this building. We started meeting here in this exact room Two and a half years after we started as a church, that was a huge miracle. It was a favor of God. Then after that, of course, we added some more buildings, a kid's chapel in 2008, the multi-purpose center. Every step along the way, we've seen the favor of God. How many of you know that the favor of God is with us? Amen. And praise God for that. Now. I love the fact because anyone who comes in, we say, hey, just hey, join, join the family of Fortress because once you join our family, you can experience the favor of God. Some people say, oh, I remember one time a few years ago, I said, oh, with all that that happened, Pastor Randy, you, you really are lucky. I said, no, I'm not lucky. It's not about luck. I mean, no, it's not about luck. It's about the favor of God. It's about the blessings of God. To another level lesson, it's not luck. It is the blessings and favor of God. As I think about the favor of God, can't help but think of Ruth because she declares, as we just read from chapter 2, verse 13, in this Old Testament book of Ruth, how many of you would love to have a book of the Bible named after you? That's what Ruth did, okay? Yeah, they named a book after my son, Matthew, but that's a different story, okay? <laughs> in Ruth, we learn about the favor of God. And I love this story because it very well could be your story and my story as well. Has anybody, you don't have to raise your hand on this, have you ever experienced tragedy? Have you experienced the hardship of life? Have you ever felt like, oh, my life has fallen apart, may as well give up, I just don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, things have happened, I just, if that's ever happened to you, you know how Ruth feels, because she was a young lady who became a widow. Her husband passed away. Let me backtrack and give you the quick synopsis We start off in the story of Ruth talking about Naomi. Naomi was a woman of God who lived in Israel. She married a man named Elimelech. And they got married and they said, okay, uh, unfortunately there was a famine in the land. So Naomi and her husband Elimelech and their two boys moved and relocated out of, I'm going to say God's country, Israel, where they worship the Lord God Jehovah. They moved to another foreign country called Moab. Moab was not a godly country. They worship a false god, not Jehovah like we worship. And they and their two sons moved to another city because of the famine. So what happened is they were dealing with the the famine and the two boys literally eventually grew up and they married two ladies. But because they were in a foreign land, the two wives, each of them had one wife, they married Moabites, which were ladies from the the country of Moab, they were, who were raised up in the ungodly pagan culture, godless culture. So what happened, and you found this story later on, Naomi, uh, she becomes a widow. Her husband passes away. 
And then, believe it or not, her two young sons, well, not young, I say young, I don't know how old they were, maybe mid-20s, I don't know, but they were married, they die. A lot of Bible scholars think it's because of the famine and things like that. So Naomi, is who's left is Naomi, and then her two daughters-in-law, her two daughters-in-laws. Their names were Oprah, no, Orpah, I'm sorry. I don't know why I said Oprah. Yeah, I guess I'm thinking. Orpah. <laughs> Slip of the tongue, okay? I don't watch daytime television, okay? Orpah and Ruth. And we see that they had a decision to make because they're, all three of these ladies, mother and two daughters-in-law, all three were widows. Tragedy hit them. It, it was a terrible situation. So I want you to understand what, uh, about the favor of God. This story is filled with lessons about the favor of God. Lesson number one is this. God's favor is offered to you regardless of your race, gender, or economic status. I want you to understand that. God's favor is offered to you regardless of your race, gender, or economic status. These two ladies, I'm talking about Orpah and Ruth, the daughters-in-law of Naomi, they were foreigners. Their culture was different. Their skin color was different. They were just different. But God's favor was still offered to them. We're going to learn that one didn't get it and the other one did. What is the difference here? See, sometimes you and I, we, can, we have the tendency to put limits on our potential in life because of the color of our skin or because of our culture or because of our economic status. Maybe we put limits around ourselves and our potential life because of, and you can fill in the blank. You know, uh, some of us may have the idea, I just wasn't lucky enough, man, my buddy over here. Look at the family that he was born into. Oh, she had all the blessings. She was born with a silver spoon. And sometimes, oh, they're so lucky. Let me tell you something. Don't depend on luck. It's about the favor of God. And sometimes we have the tendency to look and and compare ourselves. Can I tell you something? If you are a child of God, are there any children of God in this place? Amen. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. You have the favor of God if you've chosen to be a child of God. You know, I've told you before, and I'll tell you again, that, you know, my children, they have favor because I'm their dad, okay? They are my children. If they were to ask me for $20, I'd give it to them. I wouldn't think twice. But if you ask me for $20, I'd have to pray about it, okay? <laughs> no, I'm totally. <laughs> uh, but why? Because they have favor. I'm, they're my children, okay? Like, uh, just very like, just like that, when you become a child of God, you walk into the favor of God because he is your heavenly father. Anybody want the favor of our heavenly father? In Romans chapter 8, in fact, the Bible tells us that when we become the children of God, we are adopted into his family. Adopted children may not look the same as their mom and dad. In fact, they probably look a little bit different. But what's special about adopted children is they are chosen. They are chosen. My parents were stuck with me, whether they liked it or not. But uh, those who are adopted are chosen. In a spiritual sense, you've been chosen, adopted into the family of God. So do your brothers and sisters look exactly like you? Look around this room. No, we look different. Praise God. Amen. 
and we have we look different, we we have different personalities, and I love that because that's the way heaven's going to be. Do I hear an amen to that? I look forward to heaven, and I love the fact that we look different. We have different cultures, different skin colors. We have different mentality. That's okay, but the one thing that brings us together is that we all have a common heavenly Father. Amen. Our Abba Father is a Lord God Almighty. So if if you think, well, I don't look like the brothers and the people in this room, well, that's, that's good. We're brothers and sisters. We're all adopted into the family of God. Welcome to the family. Amen? Welcome to the family. Now, what does that have to do? Remember, Ruth was not a Jew. Ruth was a Moabite. She was a foreigner, a worshiper of a false god. And as her story develops, we see that she does end up with the favor of God. And, and we got to just, just be careful. Don't look down on yourself because of the way you were raised or anything like that. We, we, have, we can have the favor of God. In Ruth's case, she grew up in a pagan culture. The Moabites, I got to tell you, they worshipped a god that they called Shemosh. Or Shemosh. I don't even know how to pronounce this god. And this idol was very grotesque. Oftentimes, the god that the people in Moab worship would involve human sacrifices. Moabite worship was also filled with erotic imagery and lewd conduct. Moabite paganism typified everything abominable about idolatry. That's the culture that Ruth grew up in. But once again, she had a choice to make. Where was she going to go now that her husband had passed away? Well, we're going to do a heart check because sometimes we focus on the outside, our race, our gender. But you know what God does? He looks at your heart. To another level lesson, at the heart of God's favor is the matter of one's heart. Remember, despite the circumstances around you, you can have the favor of God within you. No matter where you go, whatever you do, you can have the favor of God within you. Recently, Brenda and I were driving. We were coming around Loop 1604 between Braun Road and, and Bandera Road. And it was a Saturday afternoon about 2 o'clock. And this car just whizzed right in front of us, out of control, literally about 50 feet in front of us. And uh, it turned out, I, we didn't realize at that time, it just took us by surprise, the lady driving the car had a blowout and she lost total control of the car going about 60 or 70 miles an hour, hit the curb, crashed the car. The good news is she was fine. Uh, she wasn't injured. The car was pretty, it was probably totaled, you know, and, uh, and we looked and we were like, oh man, she had a blowout. And my wife and I looked at each other. We said, wow, if we would have been 50 feet ahead of where we were at, it would have been, you know, a terrible collision that she would have run into us because she had no control of her vehicle. And Brenda looked at me and says, you know, we have the favor of God. Yes, we do have the favor of God. Do I hear an amen that we have the favor of God? Amen. Number two, another lesson. God's favor follows those who follow him. I'm going to say that again. God's favor follows those who follow him. Something supernatural takes place when you bring God into the picture. Something supernatural takes place in your career when you bring God into the picture. Something supernatural takes place in a home to a husband and wife when that couple brings God into the picture. 
Something supernatural takes place when an individual, when it comes to their finances, brings God into the picture. And we're going to talk about this because God's favor follows those who follow him. We look at these two ladies who were widows, the young ones. Okay, just for a moment, we're going to leave Naomi, the mother-in-law, out of the picture. But we look at Orpah and we look at Ruth. And they had a decision to make. And pretty much the decision was like this. Okay, mother-in-law is going back to her country where they worship the Lord God, Jehovah. I can go back to my paganistic country. Do I bring God into this decision? How many know sometimes we bring God into our decisions and sometimes we leave God out? You know what I'm talking about? we got a decision to make. Where do we go? What do we do? Do we purchase this vehicle? Do we purchase this house? How many know you are all, you're always going to get God's favor when you bring God into the picture? Do I hear an amen? Thank you. Okay. Well, they had a decision to make. One of the two left God out of the picture, Orpah. The other one, Ruth, brought God into the picture. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law and went back to her paganistic culture. Ruth, on the other hand, she says, no, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. And listen to what it says here in verse 16. We're in chapter 1 of Ruth. It says, but Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Wow. She's pretty much saying even though she grew up in a different culture, even though her skin color was different, she says, I'm going to follow the Lord God, Jehovah. Mother-in-law, you're going to go back to where you worship God? I'm there with you. I'm right there with you. What a great testimony. And Ruth gives us an example of what true relationship is all about. Naomi and her daughter-in-law, Ruth, they had true relationship because that would, they were connected with each other because God was in the picture. They brought God into the picture. Are you getting the point here? This is what true relationship is all about. By the way, the name Ruth means faithful companion. I love that. But as we talk about this story, can't help but question, how about our relationships? Do we bring God into the picture of our relationships? In this case, it's a relationship between a, a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law. But we have relationships with, with uh, co-workers. We have uh, relationships that we're dating for those who are single. And uh, do we bring God into the picture? I remember about 10 years ago, of course, you guys know I was... Uh, single, a single dad for 15 years, and I had a friend of mine who meant well. He was trying to hook me up with a girl, okay, a lady. And, uh, and so I said, well, okay, well, tell me about her. Well, she's nice, okay, she's nice. You, you, you're really going to like her, Pastor Andy? I said, well, okay. So I was, uh, you know, I trusted my buddy, met this girl, and we started talking. <clears throat> we started talking, and, and, and he did say, oh, she's a Christian. Okay, yeah, good, good. As we started talking and I was asking her about her priorities, about the things she does, I realized she says she's a Christian, but it doesn't look like it. It doesn't, I don't see the fruit. How many know there's got to be fruit? And, and, and it didn't look like that. And as the conversation went on, I told her about how, how God is the number one priority in my life. And pretty much I said, you know, if, if we're going to meet up again, if we're going to connect, I, I got to tell you, this is a package deal. Me and God, we're a package deal. Okay? 
Me and God were a package deal. And of course, my package came with three kids. And so, uh, but anyway, uh, I, we, we went on and, and honestly, she kind of said, okay, thanks, but no thanks. She did the Orpa thing, okay? You know, and I had to make a choice. To me, my faith in God is non-negotiable. To me, if I was going to date anybody or get serious with anybody, it, it was non-negotiable. Serving God is all, it describes who I am. Even if I wasn't a pastor, it describes who I am. And this is what true relationship is because if, if someone were to say, oh, I like you, I just don't want to serve God with you. Red flag, you know what I'm talking about? And so I've learned that as long as I put God first, when I follow the Lord and bring God into the picture, God's favor follows. And now a few years later, God brought me Brenda and I have the favor of God. It was uh, worth the wait. Thank you, babe. Okay. <laughs> but once again, we see this, this whole premise of this relationship between Ruth and her mother-in-law. It says, you know what? I, I want you. I want to connect with you. But I want to connect with your God because that's who you are. Wouldn't it be great if people would say, hey, I want to be your friend because I want what you've got. I want what you've got. I want some of that. Years ago, Carmen wrote a song called Some of That. <laughs> you can look it up. I don't even know it's available. Uh, it's about 30 years ago. Some of that. I want some of that. Okay. That's what Ruth says. I want some of that. You worship the Lord God Almighty. I want some of that. And, of course, uh, she said, oh, I'm going to go back with you. So that's what the relationship is. She was willing to leave behind her old way and everything that she had. Here's a to another level lesson. Moving on from your past and making a covenant with your future opens the door to God's favor. Lesson number three. God's favor leads you to God's plan. God's favor leads you to God's plan. I want to read from chapter 2, verse 2, because, okay, now we find that Ruth is with her mother-in-law. Just the two of them, because remember, Orpah went back to her old culture, pagan-worshipping culture. But so Naomi and Ruth find each other back in God's country. And it says in verse 2 of chapter 2, And Ruth and the Moabite said, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And he said to her, Go, my daughter. And, and she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. For those of you that not, are not farmers or familiar with what this is, gleaning means just picking up the leftovers. The reapers, the harvesters are making all this. And they would allow people to come up and just pick up the leftovers. That's all that Ruth wanted to do. Moving back to God's country was a good move, but neither of them, her or her mother-in-law, had a husband. They were both widows. And back in those times, it was very difficult to earn a li- for the ladies to earn a living. It was mainly the men. And so she would pick up. She said, I'm going to go. I'm going to work hard. How I many know God's favor follows those who work hard? Amen? I'm going to work hard. And I'm going I'm to pursue God's favor. Hard work opens the door to the favor of God. So there she was in the field, picking up, gleaning, picking up the leftovers. And guess what happened? She 
uh, she catches the eye of the landowner. His name was Boaz. Boaz was out there, the landowner, and he said, ooh, who is that fine lady over there? Okay. You know what Boaz did? He invited her to lunch. You can read about it in the book of Ruth. He invited her, hey, let's have lunch. He fed her and, um, and gave her some food to take home to her and her mother-in-law, and the relationship was on. It was good. She caught the eye. Remember, hard work, serving God, it's going to catch the eye of of your Boaz. Remember, Boaz is a picture of Jesus. Now, how did Naomi respond when she came back home? Verse 19 of Ruth 2. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name who I worked today, whom I worked with today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. Now I got to tell you what's going on here in the, in the Hebrew culture, something different than we experience today. In the Hebrew culture, when a man were to pass away, it would be highly suggested, not mandatory, and this principle is called leveret, where the brother of the deceased man or a close relative of the deceased man would step in and marry his widow. And oh, in, in our day and time, oh, that's weird, that's weird. But why would they do that back then? And I got to tell you the bigger picture, because back then the women didn't have a bank account. The women didn't have money to their name. They didn't have a, a credit history. So if something happened to their husband, they were just like, man, it's just in bad shape. Nowadays, you ladies, you sign checks, amen, right? Nowadays, you have, you have your own account and all that. Uh, things are different. If something were to happen, you can kind of, you know, move along. But back then, that was just not allowed. It was, it was not allowed. It was only the men. So if the man passed away, man, the ladies were in huge heap of trouble, so that's why they said, you know what? The brother or close relative should come in and marry. That way they can ha- keep their name. Because their name meant, okay, a future, uh, you know, the investments and all that, the land. Um, it, was, it was the right thing to do. Now, we read right here that Naomi says, oh, by the way, the field you were in, this is a close relative of my husband. It was who passed away. Okay, so now the story is getting pretty good. And so what role does Boaz have? In, in some versions of the Bible, they refer to uh, Boaz as a kinsman redeemer. Kinsman, relative redeemer. So this is kind of like what we're talking about here. In the New Living Translation, it refers to uh, Boaz as a family redeemer. In the message version, it says, covers, is it called a covenant redeemer? I love that. A covenant redeemer. Let me know when when tragedy happens, God has a way of bringing you back into his covenant relationship. This is what we're talking about here. Covenant redeemer. And once again, this Boaz is a picture of of Jesus. So without going into, uh, I don't want to take a lot of time. By the way, you ladies want to, we have uh, a a whole full study, right, Melissa? For the ladies who want to do the detail. I'm giving you the highlights of this story. If you want to, what, about an eight-week study in the book of Ruth, okay, uh, next month, the ladies are going to start one on Wednesday night. You can go through all the details. I'm giving you the highlight version. 
So the highlight version is this Boaz and Ruth, they get married and they lived happily ever after. Well, yeah, but there's more to the story than, than even that. You see, let me, let me just give you the, the correlation. Because you and I, we're like Ruth. Boaz is like Jesus. And Boaz came in to rescue her. She, she had lost her hopes and dreams because her husband passed away. She was young. And what, what could she do? But yet Boaz came to be her redeemer to lift her up. That's what Jesus does for you and I. Do you realize that's what Jesus does for you and I? When you make a decision to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life, you, know, you, you are receiving Jesus as your kinsman redeemer. Why do I say that? Because now uh, you're, you're, you're in the family of God. Anybody part of the family of God? Perhaps you were told that you're a nobody or that you're good for nothing or that you're stupid. Well, I'm going to tell you this. Jesus is ready to step in and make things right. He wants to be your kinsman redeemer. When Ruth's husband passed away, probably her hopes and dreams passed away as well. And maybe you can identify with tragedy. You know what it's like to experience pain. When you see your hopes and dreams die, well, I look at it this way. You are a perfect candidate for the favor of God. Five things very quickly before we close about the favor of God. You are, number one, or the letter F, forgiven. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ forgives you of your sins? Amen? I mean, oh, you are forgiven. Ruth grew up worshiping a false god, a pagan god. She was forgiven. The letter A is accepted. She was accepted into the family of God. She she was accepted by Naomi, her mother-in-law, and she was accepted by Boaz because she was now in the family of God. The letter V, victorious. We are victorious that God takes the negative situations and turns it around for the good. How many victorious people do we have in this place? Amen. Amen. The letter O means that you are an overcomer. You know, Ruth had to overcome the death of her husband. She had so much to overcome, but yet she became an overcomer. God wants you as well to be an overcomer. The letter R is redeemed. You are redeemed. What does that mean? The word redeemed means buy back. That's why we say kinsman, redeemer. You were once lost and now you're found. That's called redemption. You are redeemed. You are part of the family of God. What once was now, which once was stifled is now Lifted up in the name of Jesus Christ. To another level lesson. While others may have more talent, more charm, more smarts, it doesn't compare to the favor of God that you have. Amen? Now, before we close, i got to tell you this. Because that's not the end of the story. I'm giving you the highlights. But Ruth and Boaz, they hook up, get married, and they have a child. His name is Obed. Later on, Obed becomes the father of Jesse. And Jesse is the father of, does anybody know? King David. Wow, what are you talking, King David? Yes, Ruth was the great-grandmother of King David. You talk about how God used her in a mighty way. God took her tragedy and turned it around (laughs) to victory. Are you seeing what happened here? Tragedy to try. Now she gets part of the lineage of not only King David, but that puts her in the lineage of who? Oh, you guys are smart, okay? Jesus, that is exactly right. Ruth becomes part of the lineage 
of none other than Jesus Christ down the road. Wow, isn't that amazing? You talk about legacy, there's a story of legacy in Ruth. And it all happened because she brought God into the picture. I'm going to say that again. It all happened because she brought God into the picture. Orpah, her, her, her other sister-in-law, Orpah said, no, no thanks, I'm going back to my pagan culture. I'm not bringing God into the picture. Ruth said, I'm bringing God into the picture. And now we are reading the story of this whole beautiful scenario. Wow. And um, isn't that amazing? Aren't you glad that God is not done with you yet? Let me say that again. Is anybody here glad that God is not done with you yet? Amen. Is there anybody glad that God is not done with you yet? Ruth could have given up on life. She was young. Her husband passed away. But God was not done with her. God had a great plan for her. And sure enough, because she made the right decision to bring God into the picture, everything changed and she became part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. What a legacy. Would you stand with me? We're going to take some time to call upon God. We're going to take some time to ask God to fill us with his favor. In fact, I have five prayer points. They're in your pastor's page and they're on the screen right now. And I want to walk through them and then we're going to take a few minutes. First of all, I always like to thank, to start off with thanksgiving. I like to start off with giving, uh, having gratitude. Number one, I want us to thank God. I want you to thank God that you are forgiven, accepted, victorious, you are an overcomer, and you are redeemed. Amen? Number two, pray that you will trust God with the big picture of his plans, not your plans, for your life. Number three, pray that you will overcome any obstacles that are keeping you from God's favor. Number four, pray that God will show you what your part is in receiving his favor. Remember, what was Ruth's part? She had to make the right decision. She had to bring God into the picture. She had to work hard and go glean in the field. You see what Ruth had to do her her part, then God did his part. Pray, God, what do you want me to do? What, What are you calling me to do? And take action upon that. Number five, pray that you would be blessed with God's favor in your faith, in your family, your finances, your career, and your health. This is what we're going to be praying today, right now, and this week during our week of spiritual emphasis. We're going to be praying in these five areas, and I'm going to be praying for you.